G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Why would we think it's all about us? Other than the fact that everything we watch and listen to tells us that. Hi and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. Today we'll continue his message, Seller or Servant? Are we serving God and devoting our lives to Him? Or are we bartering with Him, trying to manipulate Him into giving us what we want in life? You're either a Mary, a servant, or a Judas, a seller. And as long as Jesus is profiting you, you will follow. But when things start turning south, you'll drop your Jesus stuff. This is Today with Jeff Vines and part two of Seller or Servant. Does anybody in the room see how illogical this is? What makes us think that we are the center of the universe? That it's all about us. I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? Because you've been watching too many Revlon commercials. You're worth it. (laughs) Why would we think, why would we think it's all about us? Other than the fact that Everything we watch and listen to tells us that. What makes us think, what makes you, say this to yourself, what makes me think that I know better than God how my life should go? (laughs) Because if you're a Christ follower, you believe that every single individual in the room believes that God has a purpose for every individual life. So if he's got a purpose for you, he knows what has to happen along the way to get you there. But some purposes have tragic seasons, don't they? Joseph is sold into slavery by his brothers and then goes to prison for doing the right thing. He did the right thing. And what did he get? Prison for years. But God needed the prison to bring Joseph to the palace so that he could save the nation of Israel. Joseph said that in Genesis 50, 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. I find people like Joseph unbelievably believable. Rare. That's why I talk about Corey Ten Boom so much because I've read just about everything she's ever written probably 10 times. Most people don't know the key role she played in the restoration and forgiveness of Germany. She suffered so much, but because she suffered so much, and people knew how much she suffered, it gave her a platform and a voice to preach the message of reconciliation. And she said, no pit is so deep in despair that his love is not deeper still. When your pit is deep, let me tell you something about your life and my life. And I know this because this is what God did to me. So it's consistent with scripture in my life. God doesn't seem to be content in allowing you to think You're a servant when you're a seller. And so what he does is pull the rug out from under you so that you can see who you truly are. And when the difficult time in your life comes, you're either going to walk away because you're selling or you're going to be that much more firm because you're a servant. 
Could it be that what happens to you is not always for you, but for someone else to see how you respond? See, this is what makes no sense to me about the young girl I described. She spends her whole life doing this. She becomes a Christian speaker, a Christian blogger. So God is a wise investor, but he always allows freedom. So he looks back on this entire life that he's molded and shaped, potter in the clay, the diamond sharpened. And he says, I've made all these investments, the good times and bad times into you. And now you're walking away. But all of this was to shape and mold you into this incredible servant that you're gonna be in the last phase of your life. It's gonna make you the best blogger, the best Christian speaker, an incredible person, an ambassador for the gospel, and you're walking away. Think about it. Can I just stop for a moment? Are we not grace burners? (laughs) Do we not go through grace? That's what Dallas Willard says. Man, we get grace every day, our life, our breath, all the gifts, all the, think of all the good in your life. My goodness. Here's my question as a pastor. I get tired of hearing, how can you believe in God with so much evil in the world? Can I ask you a question? Why is there so much good in the world, given how selfish we are? Why is there so much good in this world? You know, I've been listening to Tim Hawkins. He's one of my favorite comedians. I don't know if you know who he is, but if you want to laugh for hours, just go on YouTube and you will laugh for hours. He says, we're guilty in America of using superlatives all the time. You know, we just overdo it. You know, like that is unbelievable. Man, that, that turkey sausage, unbelievable. <laughs> he says he was with his wife and daughter, dropping his daughter off at the mall and her friends were late. And she says, oh, I can't go shopping. My friends aren't here. I can't go shopping. They're not here. And the mother turns around and says, I know, honey, that's the worst. (laughs) Tim Hawkins says, really? That's the worst. I mean, you're lost in the mountains with no cell phone coverage. You're in the middle of an ocean surrounded by sharks. You're not in a bit more of a pickle there. (laughs) That's the worst. He says, think about those Chilean miners that got stuck in that mine for 30 days. Just imagine those guys down in that mine, end of 30 days. This is no good right here, man. We've been down in this mine for a long time. We got no food to eat. We got no water to drink. (coughs) There's not a lot of air left to breathe. We may not live to see another day, my friend. This, this is the worst. The only thing I can think of right now that could possibly be worse than this is you know, sometimes when you're at the mall <laughs> with your friends and they're not there to meet you and you want to go shopping, but you have, to, you have to wait around on the curb for like 10 minutes or something. This is bad, my friends, but that, that is the worst. <laughs> how shallow are we people? Think about it. how shallow are we? You say, but Pastor Jeff, if Jesus is so wonderful, why can't he just protect his children from the pain and suffering of the world? I mean, if I'm his servant and he's the master, am I not worthy of protection? Why doesn't he make sure my marriage holds together and my children stay with Jesus and to make sure that my life goes well? There are two problems with that thinking, right? Number one is God allows every person in life to choose. It's the power of free will. 
He's never going to force you. So, young women, when you pray for your husband who's not saved or he's gone astray and he's having an affair on you and you're praying, God, please bring our marriage together, please. God is not going to violate his freedom to make the choice of what he wants to do. You say, well, what's the good of praying? Here's the good of praying. When you pray, it releases the divine energy of God and God orchestrates and fashions events together in his life to open up his eyes to who he, had, who he is, who God is, and what marriage is really about. But at the end of the day, it's still his choice. It's still his choice. And God's not going to override it. There's a second issue. How can God destroy all the evil in the world without destroying you? Newsflash, you cause evil. You gossip, you slander. You write things on Facebook you shouldn't write. You and I are responsible for a lot of the pain and the suffering in the world. Remember I asked you a few weeks ago, have you ever lied, have you ever cheated, have you ever slandered, have you ever gossiped, have you ever hated someone? You say, well, yeah, Pastor Jeff, I know that, but I've never killed anyone. Aren't you good? Aren't you nice? In Matthew 5, Jesus said, you've heard that it was said to those in old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother shall be in danger of the judgment. Here's what he's saying. The same emotions that lead a person to kill someone are the same emotions that reside in you. And if God were to remove every possible contingency, you and I would have to go as well. We are collectively the cause, right? Right? You see that? If you want him to stop all evil, you got to go. This is part, I think, of Judas's problem. He wanted Jesus to come bearing a sword, take power. But if Jesus came bearing a sword for judgment, he would have to slay everyone, including the disciples. But instead, he comes bearing a cross. Why does he do that? So that first he can save us, and then he can come a second time and put an end to all evil, pain, and suffering without ending us, because we've been forgiven. I know sometimes our lives fall apart, but the Bible teaches there are various reasons. This is a fallen world. When are we going to get that? That people are fallen. Sometimes they won't call you back. Sometimes they'll cheat on you, lie on It's a fallen, and we are fallen people. People will let you down. But Ann Voskamp in her book, 1,000 Gifts, says this, God gave us Jesus. And if God didn't withhold from us his very own son, will God withhold anything we need? If trust must be earned, hasn't God unequivocally earned our trust with the bark on the raw wounds the thorns pressed into his brow, your name on his cracked lips. How will he not also graciously give us all things he deems best and right? He's already given us the incomprehensible. What is the incomprehensible? That God took on flesh and became a suffering servant. And rather than bearing the sword, bore the cross so that he could return one day and end all pain and suffering without ending you. I wonder sometimes my Christian brothers and sisters, I want to shake them and I want to say, have you read the Bible? Do you know the Bible says that if you love Jesus, the world's going to give it to you. You're going to struggle to be a Christ follower. If they persecuted me, Jesus said, they're going to get you. Believe it. If they came after me, they're going to come after you. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, we call the, the, the hall of fame for people of faith describes those people like this. They were tortured refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated, 
The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all committed for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. This is Today with Jeff Vines. Pastor Jeff's message is seller or servant. Do we serve God or are we the centre of our universe? Let's continue. I promise to be good to you next week. I know I've been hard on you the last few weeks, but that's your fault because you sent me to India. You say, well, I didn't send you. I, don't, I wanted you to stay. Well, okay, it's our fault. Because my pastor friends in India, here's how they live their lives. Jesus, I will obey you no matter what consequences happen socially. I will obey you no matter what consequences happen to me economically. I will obey you and follow you no matter what it costs me emotionally because you're the supreme being of my life. And at the end of the day, you are what matters most. But if you are a seller, none of that matters to you. And I'm telling you that one day you're going to be faced with this and you're either going to walk away as Judas did and you're going to know who you truly are when, you're un- when your expectations are unmet or you're going to suddenly become a Mary and serve him wholeheartedly and you're going to say, I'll obey you no matter what. I'll give you my very best. I'll hold nothing back, even my very life because if I were to leave you, to whom would I go? You have the words of eternal life. You're either a Mary, a servant, or a Judas a seller. And as long as Jesus is profiting you, you will follow. But when things start turning south, you'll drop your Jesus stock. And so here are my four questions. Number one, do you have a ledger with God? I'm doing all this because I expect God to deliver this. You're barking up the wrong tree. Doesn't work like that. God says, no matter what's over here, you follow me because I've already done the best thing that could ever be done for you. I'm going to come back and end pain, suffering, and not end you. Number two, upon what is my faith contingent? Okay, what would happen in your life is you start thinking, okay, if that happened, I got to tell you, Pastor Jeff, I'm in, but if that happened, I'm walking away. Here's my other friend. Just quickly, led worship in my hometown at a church for 30 years, 30 years, was mentored and coached and discipled by some of the most godly men and women. And now he is a spokesperson for the atheistic community. What happened? His wife became ill with multiple sclerosis. He prayed and God did not give healing. So first, he has an affair. Then he turns to atheism. And now he travels around speaking to their applause. Atheists and communities like nothing more than a pastor going to the dark side. Okay, let me ask two questions. One of the pastors, I called him and he said, I, I said, would you like me to come? And he said, well, I wanted to offer to come and sit down with this man and say, let, let me talk to him. Just let me talk to him for a while. I know he's hurting. I'm not going to preach at him. I just want to talk to him. They said, no, it won't work. What we'd rather you do is come talk to our congregation and guide us through this because so many people are hurting. Let me get this straight. You served God for 30 years. Your wife gets an illness. And because God doesn't heal your wife, you go over to a worldview that tells you 
that there's no meaning or purpose for your wife's suffering and there's no hope of her ever getting better. And not only that, but her suffering is simply nature, red in tooth and claw, whereby nature must get rid of the weak so that the strong can survive. So you've gone to a worldview that gives you hope, meaning, and purpose to a worldview that says, sorry, man, bad luck, wrong place, wrong time. It's just nature taking care of itself and shedding the weaker gene pool so that we can be strong and succeed as humanity. Now, here's my second question. In his statements, in his speeches, he says, you know, I've found more love in the atheism community than I ever found in the church. Whether that's true or not, I'll get to that in a moment. Here's the issue I have. Wait a second. Are you telling me that atheistic evolution creates a need in you for love? Can't create that emotion. The reason you have a need for love is because you've come from a creator who is love. <laughs> so, and by the way, don't confuse applause with genuine love. So I ask you, by the way, do you know Judas... Do you think Judas had a pretty good teacher, mentor, coach, and leader? <laughs> and he walked away. Upon what is your faith contingent? Three, am I blaming my departures on others? Okay, I got to get this off my chest and I'm gonna say the last thing and we're done. I've heard it all my life. Do you really believe that we are sinners saved by grace through faith? Do you believe that? Okay, if you believe that, here's what that means. Then the person you're seated next to may sin. They may not always live up to your expectations of them. They may gossip about you. They may respond to you. And if you walk out and say, I'm never going to that church again because that person offended me. <laughs> you know why they offended you? Because they're sinners. Saved by grace through faith. What part of that don't you get? So I don't really want to, you know, I kind of get tired of hearing, well, I, you know, I walked away from the church because the, the church wounded me. Well, okay, but find another church. I'm not saying the church is perfect, that there are some churches that wound, I know that, but don't confuse the church with Jesus. So you're going to walk away from Jesus because the church wounded you? What? Sometimes it's easy to blame what somebody else did for the decision that you want to make. Besides, what if Jesus said, you disciples, you can't even stay awake. Can't you see I'm stressing over here? Forget it, fooey on you. No. When Jesus died for you, there were no contingencies. He didn't say, Father, I will love them if, I will love them as long as, I will love them unless. No, he said, I'm just gonna love them. So if his commitment to us is absolutely complete, how could we not be absolutely, completely committed back to him? And finally, four, is there anything in my life that is not redeemable? This is the end of the message here. I don't mean to belittle anybody's pain. That's not my point. I'll deal with that in the coming weeks. To who do you turn? There's no guarantee in your life that everything's gonna turn out the way you hope. The promise of scripture is that he works everything together for the good of those who love God and called according to his purpose. He's got a purpose and a mission for your life. And let me tell you, for God to get you where he needs you to be, you're gonna have to go through some tough times. If Jesus did, surely you're gonna have to. But Jonathan Edwards and Abraham Kuyper believed 
that the fall and the redemption through which we go as humans puts us in a better position to experience God in such an intimate way that even the angels are envious. What does he mean? Remember I told you the story of where my mother used to wake me up in the middle of the night, 3 a.m. Oh, son, I had a bad dream. I, I dreamed something happened to you and you were dead. And, I, and, and I'm just like, mom, get out. It's 3 a.m., man. Leave me alone. I'm trying to get sleep. Oh, son, you got no idea one day when you have kids, you'll understand. Let me just hug you. And then I find myself in Sion's room when she's about eight. Oh, Sion, I'm so sorry I didn't wake you up, but I had a dream. Something happened to you. Come here, let me hug you. One day you'll understand. What's going on there? The experience of losing something valuable makes the experience of regaining them infinitely greater. There's a sense in which everything that happens to us in this world sets God up for future glory. You say, well, I don't like that. That's because you're a seller. An abundance of food is far more glorious when you've gone without food. Perfectly healthy bodies are far more glorious when you've struggled with your body down here. Unconditional love is far more glorious when you've never experienced that on earth. The experience of losing something valuable or doing without something precious will make the experience of having them infinitely greater in the praise and worship of God infinitely more intense. And that's why I say to people, don't walk away. Okay, you lost your marriage. But there's something about that experience here on earth that will make your marriage to God even more glorious than a person who never lost the spouse. Those of you who have lost children, there's something about that experience that recognizing you're a child of God will be more glorious and more felt than someone who'd never lost a child. Those of you who've lost your health, there's a lady who comes every Saturday night and she sits over here, she's in a wheelchair. She has ALS. She's lost everything from neck down. Now, when Lisa and I get to heaven and there's Jesus and we both start to run on the streets of gold, I know it's metaphorical, who's gonna enjoy the run more? The one who's not been running. There's something about Christ setting himself up for future glory. And the ultimate question everyone has to ask is, are you selling or are you serving? And let me tell you, if you don't know the answer to that now, you will someday. Someday you will. And I hope you remember this message that you heard when you're about to walk away, say, oh, I remember the spirit in church that weekend. I've been a settler and my faith in God is contingent on him delivering what I think he ought to do. God, help us. Father, I thank you and praise you for the story of Judas, even though it's a tough one to read, and the reminder that we all have a little Judas in us. We're all so close from moving from a servant to a seller. I pray that we would glory in your provision of salvation, and we'd remember that you're sacrifice for us was not contingent on anything. While we were still sinners, you died for us who were ungodly. Those of us who were not righteous, no, not one. Those of us who were not even searching, not one person. And yet you still reached out and you died for us. 
And he said, I will love you. And I will bear the cross so that one day I can return and restore everything that's been lost without ending us. Open our eyes that we may see is my prayer in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for joining us on Today with Jeff Vines. That was seller or servant, a challenge for us to truly serve God for who He is and not for what He can or might do for us. For more messages and information from Pastor Jeff, you can head to vision.org.au and search for Jeff Vines. Today with Jeff Vines. Just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.